All right, here we go. Our key text for the book of John, Gospel of John. It's what brings it all together. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Read it real loud with me. We're going to put it on the screen. Read it. Here we go. Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs besides the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. Yes, good job. Y'all did great. John wrote these things so that you and I could believe and have eternal life. It was, an impo- it was important to John, the apostle. So it ought to be important to us as well. I titled this this morning, Who is Your Father? We may keep that title maybe part two next week and part three the next week. I don't know. We'll just kind of see. Who is your father? I looked back at whatever I preached through this text many years ago, and I titled it, Who's Your Daddy? (laughs) I've grown up since then, and I don't do things like that as often. <laughs> I really did. I, I, that's hysterical. Uh, to me, it is. I'm, I'm amused with myself, but hey, preachers like to hear themselves, right? In the previous text, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about his father. His father, he is trying to convince the Pharisees that his father is God and that he is the son of God. And if they would believe in him, then they would believe in God the father, which they already think that they believe in God the father. That's kind of important. These Pharisees, the Jews, they already think that they believe in God the Father. So from verse 31 to the end of the chapter, which was my target for this morning, but I changed my plan, Jesus is pressing them about who their Father really is. They say God is their Father, but who really is your Father? So we ask ourselves as we go through this text, based on the evidence of my own attitudes and actions, I just figured I'd go with it. I had a little tickle, but I figured I'd make a big deal out of it because then you guys will laugh and then you'll kind of calm down and stop being so serious. As we go through this, we're asking the question of ourselves based on our attitudes and actions. Who is my father? Evidently, I haven't grown up in the last 10 years. All right. Number one, you have your notes, the bulletin. I left a blank in the bulletin notes so that you can fill it in. Truth, the foundation for freedom. Fill that out. If your neighbor's not doing that, you may have to help them out. Does anybody need a pen? I have a pen. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Truth, the foundation for freedom. Now, some of you immediately, your minds go to politics and you're thinking there's got to be truth for freedom in America and we're not going that, that direction, but that's still very true. Freedom, I'm going to be a philosopher for just four lines and then we're moving on. I'm not a good philosopher at all. Freedom, I just want you to think with me for a second. Freedom cannot be established on falsehoods or deception. You with me? Freedom cannot be established on falsehoods or deceptions. Without truth, without truth, there's no freedom. There's no foundation for freedom. Without truth, we stumble around in the darkness, because I'm going to tie this to last week's text because John did. Without truth, we stumble around in the darkness, guessing at what is the wisest attitude for us. 
and guessing what is the wisest action for us. We're just guessing. We don't really know. We're not free to see clearly and make good evaluations and live wisely. Without truth, we're in the dark. When we're in the dark, there's no freedom. We just see this little, uh, little bit of space. I, I went four-wheeling. I'm going to tell you a story. So much for going long. We're just going to go with it. I went four-wheeling with some friends of ours uh, a long time ago, and uh, the plan was I was going to go with this man, his son-in-law, and I'm third guy. Never done this before. We're going to get there at 10 o'clock. We're going to go to Utah. So we drive. We leave here kind of late. We get there about 10 o'clock, unload four-wheelers, and we go four-wheeling all over the place. Now, what's stuck in my mind from this whole event is that it's pitch black everywhere except for where my little light shines like, like six feet across in front of this four-wheeler and about 10 feet in front of it. That's, that's my space. That's all that I have. The rest is darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? The next morning we get up and Marvin, he says, hey, Brent, that's where we were last night. We were way up on top of this hill where he had told me, stay right behind me. Don't get off to the side. That's all he told me. Well, now that I can see, once we're in the light, I see why he told me. Because we were, we were on a trail that was 30 or 40 feet away from the edge. But the edge was like 90 feet straight down. I would have been wiser if there had been light. <laughs> see? All right, here we go. John chapter 8, verse 31 Keep that in your mind as you go for wheeling. All right, <clears throat> as you go through life. Verse 31, here we go. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Who's he talking to? Jesus is talking to people who believed in him. He says, you are truly my disciples, truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth. Everyone say truth. And the truth will set you free. Yeah, we like to talk about that. Jesus addresses the people. He's talking to, the, to Jewish people here who specifically have already made some sort of profession of belief in him. He's speaking to people who believe in him. Now, we probably still have the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. They're still in this crowd. But Jesus is speaking to those who already believe in him when he makes this statement. He offers them a word of instruction. <clears throat> he offers them a word of encouragement. He's not railing on them. He's given them some instruction, some encouragement, some hope, something to look forward. He says, remain in my teachings. From that you will learn truth. Where are we going to find truth? In the teachings of Jesus. Remain in my teachings. You will learn the truth and the truth will set you free. Good job. You guys read the text. I do not believe that Jesus is speaking of salvation type freedom here because he's speaking to believers. He says that. I do think that he is speaking of freedom to live life fully here and now, <clears throat> which is the problem in Christianity. It's a problem across the board where when we live in the dark, we're not living life fully. We're just bouncing around, making the best of a bad situation. Christianity has its own version of darkness. I am so off script, we're in trouble. 
Christianity has its own version of, of bouncing around, and we call it legalism. You know, you can't do that. Right? Somewhere we find, actually not somewhere, he tells us very specifically. He says, remain faithful to my teachings, then you will learn the truth, and the truth will set you free, and your life will surely show it. <clears throat> Jesus' premise throughout this discourse is that knowing truth and obedience to that truth are an indication of who your spiritual father is. Now, what I'm preaching this morning is very fundamental, so we have to make sure that you get this in your brain and you understand it, because we've built some things on Christianity that are not true because we got the foundation wrong. So just back up your theology a little bit, and we're going to just talk about knowing truth, knowing Jesus, all right? The premises, the premise of Jesus throughout this discourse that we're looking at through the rest of John chapter 8 is knowing truth, number one, you have to know the truth. And then obedience to that truth are indicators of who your spiritual father really is. <laughs> I get distracted with thoughts. You know that already, though. Have, has anybody ever said, hey, this is my newborn kid, and you look at them and go, no, doesn't look like you. They, oh, well, they're adopted. That's why they don't. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Sometimes people come to me and they say, God is my spiritual father. I'm like, I saw your Facebook page. That's not true. <laughs> you are lying. The truth is not in you. You don't know the truth. You're not following the truth. You're a liar. Satan is your daddy. <laughs> well, I never say that to their face. I always tell Diane later. I'm like, can you believe what they said? Ah, see, you're with me. You know, you know what. Don't look at your neighbor now. It's embarrassing. It is important that you internalize this first principle. Jesus says, you are truly my disciples if, it's the qualifier, if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, while I'm writing this sermon, my temptation is to go run through that real fast because I think it's a no-brainer, but it's obviously not. Let me explain what he's saying. Those who are followers of Christ, we say this every Sunday, that we are out to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. Those who are followers of Christ listen to Jesus and follow or obey his teachings. That is just inherent in being a disciple of Jesus. If you say you're a disciple of a person or of a certain teacher, then that means by definition, you listen to their teachings and you obey what they say. If you're not, well, some of you are looking at me with a scrunched up face, like, what? If you are not listening to and learning the teachings of Jesus and then faithfully following those teachings, by definition, you are not a follower of Jesus. Are you okay? Tithe's going to be down this week, I can tell. I'm warning you, we got three weeks of this. <laughs> yeah, 
The reason this is important is because we can look at the landscape of Christianity across the world and we've given up the principles of teaching Jesus and following the teachings of Jesus, being obedient to Jesus. And it's just kind of, well, what church do you go to? Hey, name a church. Because I'm an American, I'm a Christian. It's all good. And then we live apart from the teachings of Jesus. We do not obey the teachings of Jesus, but then we show up to our believing friends and we say, well, I'm a Christian too. I'm a follower of Christ. Sure, where did Jesus lead you last week? Do you understand? You're with me. You see, when we do Bible-free Christianity, we can all call ourselves fully devoted followers of Christ. Even if we don't know the instructions of Scripture, even if we don't know the teachings and the leading of Jesus, we can still call ourselves a Christian. Without biblical guidance, and this is why I push every first Sunday of the month, I hold up the little soap card and I say, please read your Bible. You know why? Because I want you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Without biblical guidance, we can convince ourselves that I am a follower of Christ, even without knowing Jesus. I can still be a good person, and I can still call myself a Christian. I can still say and think to myself that I am a follower of Christ. That should be sounding an alarm inside of you. Tie this text to the previous text that when we follow the light of the world that we talked about last week, you remember? When we follow the light of the world, we can see things in the light as they really are. And there's freedom in that. I just explained that previously. We can move about freely when we can see all that's around us. I didn't plan on making an issue of my four-wheeler illustration, but it works. Had we gone in the daylight, then as we went through these trails, I could have said, hey, Marvin, there's a cool mountain. Instead of going this way, why don't we go this way? We could have done a variety of different things. But because it was dark and I had one person to follow and he was going fast, it's like if I lose those brake lights in front of me, I am in so much trouble. Because I'm lost. I'm just in the dark. So you put your nose down, you follow the brake lights in front of you, you do exactly what's expected of you because if you don't, you're afraid of what may happen. When you're in the light, you get to see all that's going on and there's freedom to say, let's go play in the sand wash for a little while. Let's go up on the mountain. Let's go through this valley. Let's go do this. Does that make sense? Do you get the metaphor? Life, when we're free in the light of the world, we get to live life fully. Whenever we live in either legalism of religion or we live as a slave to sin, we focus on the little light in front of us. We put our head down for fear that if we get off this track, we're in big trouble. That's a good illustration. I'm glad I thought of it. When we're in the darkness, we are slaves to, the fee to feeling our way along. When we're in the darkness, we are slaves to feeling our way along. We can't see very far, so we're always guessing at what we should do, and there's no freedom. Navigating your way through life in the darkness gives way, gives way to a lot of frustration and chaos. 
That's what sin does. Navigating in the light is much easier. It's much more rewarding and it's freeing. The foundation for freedom is to know the truth, to seek and to know and to remain faithful to the teachings of Jesus. Not just to know them, but also to live faithful to them. Truth is revealed in the light of Jesus. Freedom is knowing and following the teachings of Jesus. Well, Brent, you're just telling us that it restricts everything, but we're following the light of the world. We're not following Marvin, who only has two little brake lights. That's good. Did you get it? Brent, I want to be free to do whatever I want to do. You know what? You're terribly narrow-minded. You have thoughts about what you want to do and you pat yourself on your back and you say, oh, this is going to be great. And God's like, oh man, if only, if only you could live in the light and see the glory of God that I have planned for you to live in. Yeah. Freedom is knowing and following the teachings of Jesus. I can't overstate that. If you do not know and follow Jesus's teachings, you will not enjoy the freedom that God intends for you. If I do soap, Brent, then I read all these things that God expects of me and it restricts my life. You're not understanding. God gives you freedom in all of that knowledge. Freedom to be away from the consequences of sin, the chaos and the frustrations. Don't be a long distance believer, you know? I'll read the Bible a little bit. I'll follow Jesus a little bit. I want a long distance relationship with Jesus because if I get too close for, to him, he wants to change me. Instead of being a long distance believer, be a fully devoted follower of Christ. There is freedom in being a faithful follower as opposed to being a Sunday saint. You could tweet that. <laughs> there is freedom in being a faithful follower as opposed to being a Sunday saint. Number two in your notes. Another opportunity to fill in the blank. Self-deception, the epitome of ignorance. Well, Brent, that's pretty harsh. Yes, it is. It's a harsh message. It's intended to kind of shake you and wake you up. Self-deception, the epitome of ignorance. In John chapter 8, verse 33, very next verse, Jesus said, or the, they said, pardon me, get the right people here, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said, talking about these people that he's talking to. We have never been slaves to anyone. Keeping, keeping it all together here? We are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Because he says the truth will set you free. They say, we're descendants of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you. Remember that? Oh, how old am I? Oh, good. I love that. Thank you, Dante. We're together. The rest of them just didn't recognize it. They're like, what's he doing? He's having an episode. We're descendants of Abraham. Nobody has ever enslaved us. That's their argument. Their argument, the Jews' argument to Jesus, is kind of, it was very similar to the argument of many church, air quotes, people today. Instead of saying we are descendants of Abraham, we say, well, I've been in church all of my life, because, yeah, because I've been in church all my life, I know all this stuff, I got this, I'm bored with it now. 
We say things like, I'm not that bad. I'm an okay person. So I'm a Christian because I'm an okay person. I believe, I believe that I'm a Christian. So, I mean, I go to church two, maybe three, sometimes four times a month. Yeah, I'm, I've, obviously I'm a Christian because I'm a good person. Going to church, listen to me, going to church does not make you free. In fact, <laughs> uh, Brent, stick to your notes. If you're going to church that teaches the word of Jesus then you will eventually find freedom, I believe, as you learn and obey the teachings of Jesus. But there's plenty of churches that you can go to, become a member of, and you'll end up with less freedom instead of more freedom. And if you're not going to surrender your life to Jesus, you can go to a Bible-teaching church and definitely feel the restriction of the darkness. Because you know what you ought to do, but you refuse to do it. And that's a miserable way. I've, I've told people, listen, if you're going to live in the dark, then go live in the dark. Don't come to church. Man, this is boring. Go, go out there and just, just work at living in the dark. It's not what I say. I, I'm editing because, you know, it's Sunday morning. Are you with me? If you're going to live in the light, if you're going to come to church and be a follower of Christ, then commit to it. Come and say, how can I learn to know the truth? And how can I live in the truth more? How can I live in the light of the world? That's what I want. Commit to it. The Jews argue, we've never been slaves to anyone. Modern church says, I'm not that bad. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a pretty decent person. This is how the dark treats us. These Jews stand here with serious faces, making a serious argument to Jesus, saying, we have never been slaves to anyone. These people are incredibly deceived. They don't even know their own history. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that what they're saying is not true. It's as though they have, they have to intentionally forget or put out of their minds. They have to intentionally, it's self-denial. They have to make themselves ignorant. Is that what you want for yourself? I'll show you why. I'll show you why I said that. They have to intentionally forget about Israel being slaves in Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. You forgot? Really? They were also slaves in Babylon. They were slaves in Persia. They were enslaved by Assyria. And the fact of the matter is that when Jesus is having this conversation, in the moment that these people make the argument that we've never been enslaved by anybody, the Roman Empire is, opposed, is, is imposing their power on Israel. They're occupying Israel. They're there saying, you'll do what we want or you won't do anything at all. We'll kill you. They're slaves right now. And they have the audacity. They have the ignorance. Because it is ignorance. To blindly say, we've never been enslaved. You're enslaved this very moment. That is Satan's trick. To get you to turn a blind eye to truth. To get you to think it's no big deal. To get you in the frame of mind where I'm an American, I go to church, I'm fine. 
God's not going to really send me to hell. He sends really bad people to hell, and I'm not really bad. It's a, it's a little sin, and, and besides, I'm preaching my own altar call here. It's justifiable. It's a little sin, but I fully am justified in this sin that I, just, that, I, that I already committed or I'm planning to commit. Am I the only one that's ever done that before? Yeah. God understands. He knows. He knows that person's an idiot, and they need somebody to tell them. God has sent me to tell you, hey, you're a dummy. It's justified. God understands. God and I are okay. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do is why you are shackled with sin. Say, I'm free. I'm totally free. I'm fine. I'm all good. While you're living in the dark, you say, oh, I can see clearly. There's a song, huh? We have a tendency to think the same way that these Jews were thinking. There have been times over the years in many years, looked in the mirror this morning, and I'm like, wow, there's lots of years right there on my chin. Uh, I don't like this. <laughs> Getting older thing is no good. Uh, so, so Desert Heights is 16 and a half years old. I've been in ministry, full-time ministry, for 24 years here in the Farmington area. And so I've, I've had some interactions with people, and it's always been my heart's desire to point people towards Scripture because even you know, 24 years ago I saw we're doing Christianity away from the Bible. We've got to get people back to the Bible so that they know the truth, and the truth will set them free been a conviction for a long time. So over 24 years, I've had opportunities to meet with people in a pastoral way and, and the people who would claim to be Christians and they come and they say, Brent, what should I do? What, what, what is your counsel? What does the Bible say? And I point them towards Christ. I point them towards the teachings of Christ. I point them towards scripture. And you know what happens? People who would claim to be Christians, whenever I give them biblical counsel, they want to follow Christ on their terms, not on Jesus' terms. Are you with me? I point them towards Scripture. I show them what the Word of God says, and they say, yeah, I'm going to continue to be a a Christian. I'm just not going to do anything the Bible says. It's not that dramatic. I'm going to be a Christian but I can't come to your church because you want me to behave like Jesus teaches. And in this one instant, I want something besides what Jesus wants. So even though I say I'm a follower of Christ and Jesus is following up this road, I have found something shiny over here. And I'm just going to say, hey, Jesus, I'm still following you. Don't go too far. But, you know, I'm going to go on a detour here. And by the way, I'm going to ask you to bless my detour. Have you ever done that before? God, I'm going to live in defiance against you. Bless me in Jesus' name. Boy, you are ignorant. (laughs) I'll follow Jesus as long as he goes where I want to go. I am free to do what I want to do. That is not being a follower of Christ. That is blind denial to the truth. That is self-deceptive ignorance. In Christ, are you okay? 
And some of you just put your head down and are like, oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> Even so, come quickly. <laughs> In Jesus, you are free to live the way that glorifies God, not satisfy your whims. Some of you don't like that. But I just want you to understand that whenever, whenever we live in the freedom of, of Jesus and we live for the glory of God, it is exponentially greater than living for your little whim. Are you with me? Do you understand? Does that make sense? Don't deceive yourself into ignorance. Jesus is the truth. So trust in Jesus. Follow Jesus. Don't go meandering in the darkness and follow deception. Faithfully learn Jesus' teachings and obey them. Go to the Bible study class. Be faithful on Sunday morning to hear the teaching of Scripture. Do your soap every day. Listen to good Bible teaching on the radio. There's a bunch of good preachers on the radio. Number three. Slavery, the enemy of the family. Ah, it's going to get a little more personal here. Jesus replied, slavery, the enemy of the family. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Truth is kind of the theme here. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Jesus shines a little light on this group of people's self-deception. They're ignorant as they can be. We have not been a slave to anybody. What are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who is a slave, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You are a slave. We all are slaves. We all live in the dark. We all need the light of the world. There's a whole bunch of implications to that. One is, don't think that you're so special because you believe and are in the light now. Because the fact of the matter is, we were all in the dark until Jesus comes along. The other implication of that is that there are people who are bouncing around in the dark and they desperately need Jesus, and you're there to shine a little light in their lives, not to give them a hard time. Does that make sense? We all need the light of the world. We all need the truth that leads to freedom. We need the truth that leads to freedom. This is why we share our faith with those we work with. This is why we share our faith with the people that we run into on a regular basis at the grocery store. This is why we share our faith every opportunity we get, even if it's a kind word, even if it's showing mercy whenever we ought to knock that person's head off. Right? It makes no difference that you were born into a Jewish family or you were born into a Christian family. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We are all slaves. So don't get cocky and think that you are excluded from this group of slavery in any sense. You're not. And then Jesus goes on and he explains his incredible mercy. Verse 35, he says, watch this. He says, a slave is not a permanent member of the family. You got that? A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. Even in our crazy culture today, our kids, we don't, we don't go to the court and say, yeah, I got this one, not really liking them, kind of like to give him away. 
No, we don't do that. Now, sometimes we don't take care of our children, but that's a different situation. A son is part of the family forever. So, if the son, capital S, if the son, talking about Jesus, talking about the son of God, if the son sets you free from slavery, you are truly Free, not deceptively free, not built on a lie. You are actually free when the Son of God sets you free. So the question is, do you prefer to be a slave and remain in slavery? Or would you like to be a son forever a part of God's family? Jesus wants to make you a son. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you completely free. Free from the guilt and the penalty of sin. That's why we celebrate communion. We share that as a reminder that there was a great penalty for our sin. A sacrifice had to be paid. We're set free from that guilt of sin. We're set free from the penalty of sin. We are free from the insecurity of knowing that you are not Worthy. There's a lot of people bouncing around Christianity today and they're like, I have sinned and I'm not worthy. I, I shouldn't be at church because I'm not good enough. I shouldn't share communion because I'm not good enough. I shouldn't, shouldn't be friends with Brent because I'm not good enough. I shouldn't do, should, can't be a Christian because I'm not good enough. And that's what freedom, that's what the light of the world does is he shines a little light and you see that you're not responsible for that. Jesus paid it all. So that now you don't have to be insecure about your worthiness because God the Father sent Jesus to make you worthy. Because of the work of God, now you're worthy. So that little clay vessel, <clears throat> several times throughout Scripture, God likens us to this little vessel, little clay pot. Some of them are broken. They're just made out of dirt. God comes along and he transforms it and he signs his name on it. Now it's valuable, fit for use in the kingdom of God the Father. That is a work of Jesus, not of you. So whenever we live in the light, we see, no, I'm not worthy, but Jesus has made me worthy, so I get all the freedom of the kingdom of the God the Father. <clears throat> Did you get that? That's good. When we live in the light, we're free from the fear of knowing that you have no control over the world around you. <laughs> we, we, as parents, this is the closest to home that I can think of, is that as parents, we want to control our children's environment as much as we possibly can so that they will come to know Jesus. So we control, 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 and then all of a sudden something happens, and it's like, what? I was controlling everything, and now something came into my child's life, and it's messing up everything. If your faith is in your own ability to control your world, you're in trouble. You should be fearful. You should be very fearful. If your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ to direct your child's heart towards him, then you live in freedom. What? It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Did you get it? It's mind-blowing. We put our faith in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying we live reckless. Don't get me wrong. We live for the glory of God. Our children live in that environment of us living for the glory of God, not being control freaks. 
But Brent, if I don't do this, then what if they don't serve Jesus? Listen, you doing whatever has nothing to do with them serving Jesus. What Jesus does in their heart has everything for them to serve Jesus. Well, I got it. No, you don't. Shut up. But if I don't, no, shut up. Stop it. Well, I've got to, no, you don't. Trust in Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Stick to your notes, Brent. Do you remember, uh, uh, here we go. Jesus, Jesus wants to bring you into the family. He wants to, to give you freedom. The problem is that until there is some light, we tend to think we already have freedom and we're fine. So we don't even desire the freedom that is reality. Does that twist your brain? I'll give you an example. Do you remember the story of Israel? Uh, God goes and he delivers all of Israel out of abusive slavery in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. They're just being abused, something fierce. God performs miracle after miracle right in front of their eyes. There's no doubt that God is leading them into the desert. We have a pillar of fire by day and a uh, pillar of fire by night and a pillar of smoke by day. And they're following. And I mean, God is doing miraculous things. He divides the Red Sea. They go across on dry ground. I mean, God is leading them. There's no doubt. Visibly, God is leading them. About a month into their trip, they start saying things like, oh, we were better off in Egypt. <laughs> Moses, God bless him. He must be the most patient man to have ever walked the face of the planet. He struck a rock. I would have hit someone <laughs> in the throat. I'd be like, God gave me this staff. Whack! <laughs> you want to go back to slavery? How kind of stupid are you? Come on! But that's what these people did. Anyway, laugh at Brim moment. It's over. Back to the text. At least they were saying things like, at least, at least back in Egypt, we were guaranteed to have some onions to eat. Out here in the wilderness, because they're free from slavery now, out here in the wilderness where we only have God... There's no guarantee of anything. We would prefer to go back to the slavery of Egypt as opposed to be the children of God in the desert. Did they ever go without in the desert? Not for one nanosecond. We want bread. God says, okay, poof, you have bread. Every day you have bread. Well, that's not really what we wanted. We want meat. Poof, you have more meat than you can eat. Well, oh. <laughs> what I really want is I want to go back to Egypt and be a slave. You are ignorant to the nth degree. I don't know what that means, but I heard somebody say that. <clears throat> slavery is what, <clears throat> watch this. Slavery is what our fallen nature likes. Sin is somewhat predictable, somewhat controllable in our minds. We think that we've got a hold of it. So for us to surrender the darkness that we think we control, to give it up so that we can live in the light where God Almighty is in complete control, that just goes everything goes against everything in our sin-filled nature. Trust God? Really? Are you sure? Well, you can trust sin who's going to destroy you, or you can trust God who's going to give you life. Think about it. <laughs> making a joke. Y'all didn't get that. Sin who will destroy your life or Jesus who will give you life. Hmm, I'm not sure. God wants to make you his son. 
God wants to make you his family. He wants to set you complete. He wants to set you completely free in his light to accomplish his glory. Our sin-filled nature says, go back where you can be your own God. Do your own things. Accomplish your own will. Jesus says, trust in me and have life abundantly. Verse 37. He says, yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. I realize that you can trace your lineage back to Abraham. And yet, some of you are trying to kill me. Wasn't there something about the Ten Commandments and Moses and killing people? Some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. It's a great picture. Verse 38, he says, I am telling you what I saw when I, when I was with my father. So now he's making the son-father connection. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Jesus is making a point to separate. You guys want to kill. You have one father. I want to give you life. I have a different father. We're not on the same page. It's easy for us to say, to think. It's easy for us to think, well, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm, I think I'm free. I think that I'm a child of God. I think I'm a follower of God. Like I said, I go to church every once in a while. I did soap once. It was good. Don't want to overdo it. However, Jesus tells us very clearly here that if there is sin in your heart, there is no room for Jesus' message. There's no room for you to believe and have eternal life simultaneously with having sin. One crowds out the other in your heart. It's a tough message, isn't it? Well, but Brent, I kind of like my sin. I understand. In the text, Jesus is referring to murder. He tells them, yeah, you're sons of Abraham. Sure, you're descendants of Abraham, but you want to sin, which just shows who your father really is. Your, sin, your, your father's really the devil, he's going to tell us later on in the text. In the modern church, Jesus is referring to a number of behaviors that he has explicitly called sin, yet we choose to ignore the teachings of Jesus. We choose to ignore the leadership of Jesus and still maintain that we are followers of Christ. I'm not going to do what Jesus says, but I'm going to still be a Christian. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. Church, don't be deceived. If your father is God, then follow Jesus into biblical, holy, God-glorifying attitudes and actions as they're explained in Scripture. If your attitudes and actions defy the holy nature of God, then don't fool yourself into thinking that your father is God. Jesus is clear. You are following the advice of your own father, and it's not God the father if you're living a sinful life. Are you with me? Well, now, Brent, you've got me all doubting my salvation. I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Good. I kind of like that. I like, I like to get you on uneven ground where you're like, I'm not sure where we're going. Am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? What is Brent saying this morning? I don't know what to do. Where's the light? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 
Jesus gives us the test to see where, whether we are a son or a slave. Are you with me? Jesus gives us the test to see if we're a son or a slave. I hope that you will honestly ask the Holy Spirit to examine your own heart. Because until the Holy Spirit turns the light in your heart, you don't even understand. Because I can come along and say, listen, man, you're living in sin. You're not a Christian. And you'll be like, yeah, I am. I completely am. It takes the Holy Spirit turning the light on in your heart when you say, oh, oh, I'm living in the dark and I'm living against God. And I'm living in chaos and I need to put my trust in Jesus. And then we see the light and we're like, duh, why doesn't everybody see that? Because until the Holy Spirit reveals it to them, they don't get it. They just don't. So where are we? What do we do? What can you do? You can do nothing. You lean into God and you pray, Lord, Send your Holy Spirit into my heart. Examine my heart. Examine my heart. And if there's unclean things in me, Father, you got to clean me out. I can't. I can't even find the darkness. It's pretty good. So I need the Holy Spirit to work in my heart, to open my eyes, to give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that can understand so that I can see the light and desire the light and want to live for the glory of God. If you want to sin, if you prefer to sin, if you choose to sin as opposed to following the teachings of Jesus, you need to be honest with yourself about who your God is. You are not a follower of Christ. So don't call yourself a Christian. It makes the rest of us look bad. On the other hand, Jesus has made us a promise. Verse 31, I told you when we started, he gives this, this group of people some instruction, some encouragement. I'm not going to leave you on, on you're a slave to sin, you're going straight to hell. We're going to go back to verse 31. Jesus told these people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So who is your father? Don't play games with God. Don't deceive yourself. Are you a son or are you a slave? If you remain faithful to Jesus' teachings, you can know. You can know. Because he, if you remain faithful to his teachings, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free into the light of the world, and you will know that you're living for the glory of God. If you say you're just going to play Christianity, you'll continue to live in the dark and be frustrated and live in the chaos of sin. Does that make sense? There's freedom in knowing the truth that comes from following Christ. We follow Christ. We don't just say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian. Oh, I accept Jesus as my Savior and then live like a heathen. That's not the way it works. We put our faith and trust in Jesus, and in that, we necessarily trust that we will follow the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to look into his word for instructions. We have to know his teachings. We have to follow his teachings. Whenever it says, Brent, do this, I have to do that. Otherwise, I'm not really following him. Is that a really simple concept? Yes, it is. Let's all stand together. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that, that our salvation is built upon you alone, 
There is one truth, one light, the Lord Jesus Christ. We focus all of our heart, all of our attention, all that we are, we surrender to you and we hold on to you. You are the light of the world. We're going to put all of our trust in you. Lord, for all of us here this morning, I pray that if there's people here who have been living in the dark and saying they're Christians, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in their hearts, draw their hearts out of that darkness, help them to see your glorious light. Father, for all of us who who have put our faith in you, Lord, I I pray that you will help us every day to grow in our knowledge of the truth and that every day you will help us to grow in our obedience to the truth. God, be glorified in our lives as we live a life of obedience to you. And third, Lord, I pray that as we live in the light of the world, you'll give us opportunities to share that light with other people. Maybe it's not telling them the full gospel. Maybe it's showing them mercy. Maybe it's showing them love. Maybe it's giving grace. But Lord, help us to be a light to all those around us so that those who are in the dark will have an opportunity to get a little glimpse of the light so that they can see that there is a better way. Lord, help this world, the darkness, to see your light in our lives. Be exalted in our lives so that people will be drawn to you. They'll put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they can live in truth and freedom and live in your light and be sons of God. Lord, we just thank you for this incredible salvation that you've given us. We thank you that you are so involved in our lives every single day. Father, we want to give you all of the glory. We want to praise you and honor you with all that we have. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone say amen.